Hello, hello, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast with your host, Evan Cormick. It has been quite some time, guys. How are we doing? It's been since December. Now, I did on my last episode say that I would be taking a break from uh, podcasting for a bit, mostly because there was going to be a jump in Marvel content. Um, Wakanda Forever was kind of like the last thing that we got besides the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And we covered all of that back on our last episode, at least I believe so. And I knew there was going to be a gap until this past Friday, where Ant-Man and the Wasp came out. So this is what we're going to be covering today is my second movie review. Now, the setup is a little busted. Um, in, in post-production, I'm going to try and edit out as many minor noises that you might be hearing. Um, another reason why I was kind of worried about if the podcast could be able to keep going on was going to be because in uh, the place that I normally record, it is in a library, and currently at my school, that section of the library is being renovated. So they haven't moved that room elsewhere. But the other day I found a room very, very similar. But the caveat, I think this is the storage place for the other room. So there are, I am now sitting in the dark. Uh, My laptop is resting on a chair and I am using a microphone standing on top of the box that it came in because there are no tables and (laughs) no chairs. And we're in the second floor of a library. I think it's the quiet room. I really, really hope no one can hear me um, outside of these walls because that would be very awkward. The door is uh, sealed, but if you hear any rustling, um, I do apologize for that. Uh, it's just because there is a lot of other things in the room. I'm sitting on the floor, uh, but nonetheless, the show must go on. I, I thought about it for a while, and I really want to keep doing this, uh, mostly because it's just something that I'm very passionate about. Um, like I've said in episodes prior, I really don't monetize any of these. I might look to maybe start doing that because, hey, if I can make a little bit of money uh, from this just to pay back like the monthly cost that it takes me that it costs me to run this program. Um, if I can make that up, which is very, it's very cheap considering I literally am on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other different hosting sites. And all I have to do is simply record myself talking in one take, make some edits. It takes like oh, maybe if I make a 30 minute episode, it takes roughly an hour uh, total of work to be able to get it out there. So the price that I pay to be able to do this is really minuscule. Uh, granted, I'm pretty much of uh, an amateur when it comes to podcasting. I don't have the most absolutely huge following, but you know, I have a decent amount of listeners, uh, some friends, some family, and some people that I have no idea who they are. Uh, but nonetheless, I thought about it and I think the show must go on because what really awoken, awoken, is that the correct word? Not sure. Um, what really, uh, reawake, reawakened, there we go. Uh, the sense of urgency to kind of do these podcasts and get out these reviews was all of the hate around Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And that is where we're going to dive into today. Next week, uh, for that episode, I'll cover more Star Wars-based things. But today will be all Marvel, baby, because woo, we have a lot to talk about. So let's jump right in. So for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I know it's only been like roughly a week. I'm probably going to release this the day of recording, which is on a Thursday. Tomorrow makes it one week since the movie came out. Um, I know that's a little abrupt for kind of dropping a spoiler review, but I will give you fair warning like I did for my Black Panther one. I will try to do the first part of this episode uh, with, you know, 
keeping out spoilers or major plot points. Uh, and then the last half, I will try to uh, make an announcement and then kind of weave in spoiler-esque things. Uh, but I mean, hey, it's. I recommend you go watch the movie. If you'd prefer to go watch the movie before you listen to this episode, by all means, go do it. But Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has received an insane amount of what I feel is unwarranted criticism. And what I mean by that is simply when the movie debuted, critics on Rotten Tomatoes started off, I think it was like a 58%, um, and then it trickled all the way down to right now, I believe it is at 47%, tying itself with Marvel's The Eternals as the worst critically rated movie in the entire MCU. And I think that is just absolutely absurd. It does not deserve anywhere near that amount of hate. It almost seems to me like people forgot that Thor The Dark World was a thing. I'm not even sure if that was if that's the correct movie title. I believe it is. But it's just, it is insane to me that people are literally saying this is like the worst or second to worst movie in the entire MCU. P- people don't understand what this movie is trying to do, and we'll get to that a little bit later on in the episode, but I'll save... I'll save the hate comments for a little bit later. Let's just dive into an overall review. Now, I will admit, we the movie itself wasn't amazing. My official rating of the movie is about a 7.5 out of 10. I saw it twice, back-to-back days, went with my friends, went with my dad the next day. Both times, it was absolutely amazing. But... I like seeing movies twice. I really like it because not only do I get to, you know, see it with my friends and my dad, it's like both of our things. It's really, it's a really fun thing to do going to the movies with friends and family, but it gives me a sense to the first time it can just be raw emotion. Like, you know, when I saw, oh, what was it like multiverse of madness? I think I ended up seeing that three times combined, uh, friends from school, friends from work and my uh, dad. And, like, the first time, it was just raw emotion. And then the second time, I was like, well, it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. And then the third time, I really, like, cemented my opinion. And I kind of like the whole idea of watching Marvel movies twice because it really, like, before I get on to my podcast and tell people how I feel, it really gives me a chance to sit back and say, okay, I've seen it twice. The first time was just all reaction, uh, no logical thinking. I don't read the reviews before I see movies. If if I happen to see, like this this one I saw, Rotten Tomatoes rates it uh, 48%. Um then that's fine. That's about all I see. I don't see spoilers. I don't look on Twitter. I don't search up the movie. Um, sometimes I'll Google if it has end credit scenes. I was lucky enough this time my roommate just said, hey, there's two. Stay for them. But the movie overall, the first half, if the first half of the movie was like the entire movie, then I would probably agree with the hate that this movie has generated. Okay, we have to remember what the MCU is trying to do. Okay, we just got off of a dumpster fire of a phase in phase four. There were key gems in there. No Way Home, Black Panther, Moon Knight. Pieces of phase four were just phenomenal, like absolute bangers. But we as the fans are getting spoiled. And Endgame for as breathtaking and amazing of a film and a culmination of, you know, 10, 11 years building up to that moment, as beautiful as a film that is, I feel as though Marvel shot themselves in the foot by making it so amazing. What I mean by that is Ant-Man is taking the story 
of starting off an entire new phase. We are now in phase five of the MCU. It starts off with Paul Rudd, Scott Lang, just going about his average day-to-day life, getting over the fact that we're, we're catching up with Scott Lang after Endgame, after he just saved the world from Thanos, after he just got released from the quantum realm, after the blip was fixed. Where he's like one of the last characters, I think, that we still have to catch up with because we didn't check in on him on Phase 4, so we're starting off Phase 5 with checking in on him and seeing his day-to-day life. And now it is his daughter. We are getting reintroduced to her because she was gone. Well, Ant-Man was gone during the blip and she grew up. Okay, now we have an entirely new actor who is doing absolutely phenomenal as Cassie. I love her portrayal of her. And we get to see that Cassie is in a little bit of trouble with the law. And Scott is like, hey, whoa, 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 stop it. He's trying to give her fatherly advice because he was in her shoes before. He was, you know, running from the law a lot. And she's like, dad, at least I'm still trying to help people. Bringing up the first main problem that we really see in the movie is Cassie's resentment for Scott in basically saying like, hey, we get it. You saved the world. And this was also carried on in a dinner conversation where the whole family is together uh, with Hank and uh, Janet as well. And they basically go and say, you know, hey, we get it. You saved the world. You wrote a book about it, which I believe is a real book, which I might actually get. It sounds really funny uh, because they put bits of it in the movie. Um, Apparently, it is a 100% real book. uh, So I feel like I might get that just because I thought it would be pretty funny. Uh, Maybe we could get a book review on the channel. Um, But they're basically like, cool, you saved the world. And now you wrote a book about it. And now you're just living your life. It doesn't stop there. They're trying to get Scott to realize that being a hero, being an Avenger, isn't just something you do one time and then you can brag about it. It is a continuous going out and using your platform to kind of help people that are in need. And I really liked that. I really liked that quick character development of Cassie to where it's like she's not the little girl that we saw in Ant-Man 1 and 2, and he keeps trying to treat her like that. She is trying to become, she understands that her father and her father's, like, love interest, um, Hope, is, you know, she understands who they are, and she looks up to them, and she wants to be them. She wants to make a difference in the world. Um, And we find out that, you know, Cassie has a suit, which is cool, and then they lead us down to the basement. Um, And basically all around, the first move, the first part of the movie was, I can see what made people mad. Because during this part of the movie, we get Janet being just like, everybody, shut up about the quantum realm. Just stop talking. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to just stop it. And they see Cassie's project. She's working, and it's like a basically a beam to the quantum realm. And we're like, oh, my God, we're making contact with the quantum realm. We are, you know, sending signals back and forth. And she is just, like, terrified. And we as fans have the uh, kind of audience knowing that, like, oh, cool, it probably has something to do with Kang. Um, So I didn't really like how I I, I get the hate in this sense and why the rankings kind of got knocked down for me was because in Ant-Man and the Wasp, when they first kind of get her, she's like, oh, this is the quantum realm at the end of the movie. Let's go explore it. I want to show you the beauties of the quantum realm. It's absolutely something amazing and something I think that everyone should be able to go explore. Cool, let's do it. And then the blip happens. And now we're in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, and she doesn't want anything to do with the quantum realm. She won't talk about it. She won't mention it. You know, she won't talk to her own daughter about it. She just hates that everyone's trying to go back there. And so I see that gap in, in story writing, and it's not really fair, like, because we didn't get that sense beforehand. 
It would have been different if in Ant-Man and the Wasp, she was like, yo, let's not do it. And then accidentally, you know, Scott and uh, Hope do it. Um, or somehow they accidentally got stuck in the quantum realm when the blip happened. And maybe she's so scared and then like the blip, like work it in that way. Um, make it that she's always scared. Not that she's kind of excited at first and then now she just doesn't want anything to do with it. But then they get sucked into the quantum realm. They split up. Um, Hope, Hank, and Janet go one way, and Hank and Ka- er, uh, Scott and Cassie go the other way. And we basically get this beautifully done quantum realm piece. It's just all this amazing CGI, which I also didn't understand. People said the CGI was terrible. I, I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, Kevin Feige has come out and said that they're trying to go for quantity, like quality over quantity this time, uh, amidst the major backlash that they saw with, uh, phase four. And I don't really blame him. And I think it kind of paid off. All the special effects seemed really good. Um, I liked the characters that they brought from the quantum realm, making them look all weird and stuff. Um, I think overall it was just it was really good. So I don't understand that aspect of the hate. I can kind of get what they mean by the story. Um, so my next, without trying to go bit by bit throughout the whole movie, basically they explore the quantum realm. We get a little backstory about who Kang is, and this is where we're introduced to Jonathan Majors playing Kang. And let me just say, it was amazing how they worked him into it in terms of he's just a regular guy he was banished he gets to become really good friends with janet and then she helps him get his powerful little orb back and now he has his powers that whole little bit of the of the movie was pretty awesome showing him how he got his powers back and then what he turns into once he has the powers. Um, but we basically are also in an adventure with Scott and Cassie. They go to, you know, explore the locals, basically. They get captured. Um, Ant-Man gets giant a lot. And that's another thing that I've seen was there was a lot of critique around the fact that Ant-Man in the first movie, it was a big deal that he got so big and got so small. And, you know, the environment around him was like, it was so breathtaking. Yeah, because that's the first Ant-Man movie. People were complaining that while they were in the quantum realm, it really didn't matter that Ant-Man was just really, really big and really, really small. That's the point. First of all, you're in the quantum realm, so you're in an entirely new universe with things that are just absolutely ginormous. So yeah, you changing your size shouldn't matter. In the first movie, it was cool because it was the Ant-Man movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp was him controlling himself to get big. And then in Endgame, we saw cool he got massive and in this movie what i really like they captured and this is what i this is why i don't like it seems like everyone was focusing on the negatives what i really enjoyed about the movie was the fact that all throughout scott would get really really big and just be completely normal because if you remember i I believe if i remember correctly it was in the second movie he would get really big and but he could only stay that for a small amount of time and then he would faint or like he would pass out or he would get too hungry uh, because he said going big takes a lot out of him. And we also saw that in Captain America Civil War uh, to where he got big, but he was still really clumsy. Uh, Spider-Man was able to team up and kind of basically drag him down um, and they were able to beat him that way. And he wanted some orange slices because, you know, being that big makes him, you know, tired and what have you. But that's that's the point. We've already seen him suffer from the fatigue of getting big. So who cares? He is now at a point in his in his superheroing career where it shouldn't matter that he's not he should be used to getting so big and getting so tiny now it's more or less him teaching cassie 
because Cassie sucks at fighting. She has a suit, which is awesome, but she is terrible at actually like fighting the villains that they come up against. And he has to teach her, you know, shrink and then jump into the punch. And that was kind of a nice little learning moment there that we could see. But I don't understand why that was another people's main focus. We saw it later on in the movie where Cassie got really large and then she shrunk and she basically passed out. Like, yeah, because it's the first time she got big and they talked about how hungry she was. And that like relating back to the first movie because now it's not Ant-Man's problem. Okay, and in the very final battle, it was awesome because I believe he got like a lot bigger than he normally does. And he just laid waste to like most of Kang's army and then he shrunk and fought, whatever. Um, But it was it was just annoying to see people like only focusing on the negatives of this movie. And Eternals is a whole different thing. I don't think that was as bad as it was. It was bad. Let me. When I say it's not as bad as people think, I'm not trying to defend it in the sense of it was like the most amazing movie. No. I feel like my rating is very speaks very true. I, I would accept if people would give it like a six and a half to a seven and a half. Okay, it's it's not the worst movie that Marvel has ever made. I think that was Thor two was probably the worst, but it's also not the most amazing. Like it, it might be a top twenty MCU movie. Like it's not fantastic. Like I wasn't sitting in the theater, you know chomping at the bit to like see it again you know what i'm saying i really enjoyed the parts that had kang in it but like for instance no way home i believe i saw that two or three times i was so excited every time i walked into that theater when i saw it the second time i was excited because i was going with my dad but i wasn't like you know ants in my pants ready to just be like oh hell yeah let's go ant-man quantumania but i was like okay this is an enjoyable movie it felt like the right length it didn't feel like anything was rushed it felt like some of the script writing could have i guess used some work i'm not a movie critic i don't know how to critique script unless it's blatantly bad but it was kind of like another critique that i didn't necessarily like Um, I liked the progression of them exploring the quantum realm and how they both went on their own separate adventures uh, to where Cassie and Scott got to know the locals. And then Janet kind of took them and be like, I know a guy that can get us some help to get to him so we could get home. Um, And I liked the lead up until they basically forced um, everyone to be like, Janet, who the hell is him? Why are you so afraid? And that's when we get the backstory, like I mentioned earlier. Now, I... Like the storyline with Hank and the ants that ties in a little bit later, I guess some people didn't care about it. Um, I see why people didn't necessarily love it because in movies prior, I feel like he's had a bigger role, but I feel like this movie, he was just reduced to like the ant whisperer. That's what I'm, that's the kind of vibe that I'm getting was that he was just like, it's the ants. I'm talking to ants. I'm the ant man. Like, he used to be like a superhero and like a wicked smart scientist. And now he's just like has an earpiece in and he's like the answer talking. Like he seems a little bit crazy. And I get that. I get how that's it's frustrating. So all of the points that I've made, those are reasons why I made it a seven and a half out of ten. Um, but I mean, I still think the overall arching point of the movie was we are setting up Kang. We are marching towards Avengers Secret Wars and Avengers King Dynasty. This is the point. People, and what I talked about towards the beginning and earlier in the episode, what people fail to realize is that every single movie is not going to be like Avengers Endgame, like Spider-Man No Way Home. Those are special movies, like Captain America Civil War. Those are special culminations of movies. We weren't going to get any cameos. 
This was supposed to be a movie where we caught up with Scott Lang about how he's doing after Endgame and how he's dealing with being Ant-Man now that he's like officially an Avenger, he's worldwide known, how he's dealing with Cassie being so old now, he's missed a lot of her birthdays due to being in jail and due to the blip. And now we're looking at, you know, how is he going on to the day-to-day world? And he gets met with a very feasible, you know, incident where he gets trapped in the quantum realm. Awesome. We finally get to explore the quantum realm. And now they have to deal with Kang because Kang gets introduced. This was supposed to be a movie. It was supposed to be, I feel like, well, it was a Kang movie with Ant-Man on the side. And I guess people weren't thrilled with that. I kind of was because I feel like instead of, so when we had Thanos, it was just a couple teasers at the end credit scenes. And then all of a sudden it was like infinity war. Here's Thanos. You know what I'm saying? But with this one, I feel like it's, we have Loki, we have he who remains, and now we have Kang, Kang the conqueror variant. And then we get alluded to that. He has other variants and that he has to control them. Now, speaking of Kang, Holy shit, did Kang kick absolute ass in this movie? Jonathan Majors, chef's kiss. Absolutely perfect casting, Marvel. You did it again. He was amazing as he who remains, but seeing him as actual Kang the Conqueror, this dude is scary as shit. Like, he is absolutely amazing for the fact that, like, it was just, it was wild to see how good he was at portraying all of the different emotions that Kang was trying to get across. And some of the end credit scenes we'll also mention here a little bit that, that per- protrudes to his acting. Uh, spoiler, to, spoiler alert ahead for those. But, I, I mean, it's there wasn't really anything that stuck out from Kang other than, like, obviously watch the movie to see his story t- kind of thing. It's just overall, he was just so good as Kang, and I'm very joyful that he is going to be the next big bad for Marvel going forward. And I really enjoy the fact that he just presented himself to Ant-Man as, hey, I'm a villain. You're supposed to fear me. And Ant-Man was like, yeah, dude, I just called the Avengers. You're done. I don't know if he actually called the Avengers. People are somewhat tying that back to the end credit scene of Shang-Chi, where I believe it's Captain Marvel and Wong come to tell him and like the 10 rings are telling him something and there's a there's a call for help. I'm not sure if that's relating to Ant-Man actually calling them from the quantum realm and they're just like, what the hell is this? Because they don't know anything about the quantum realm Um, or if he was just bluffing to try and scare Kang and Kang just looks at him and he goes, perfect. He said, you're an Avenger. Have I killed you before? And then he, and it just, it sent chills down my spine. And then he was like, are you the one with the hammer? And he just talks about how killing the Avengers just blurs together. And it's just so cold. I mean, Thanos was just like, I'm inevitable. I'm coming. I am here to, to rid half the population. Kang's just like, nah, I'm about to beat your ass and just conquer the world. Like, that just, it was really funny because it was just like, wow, we've never heard someone talk like that to the Avengers. Um, now, I don't know if this Kang knows anything about Earth, if he's been studying, waiting for Janet, and that's why he was able to intercept the signal as soon as it came. But it was just really awesome to see Kang like that. Um, we'll get away from Kang for a moment and shift over to another reason why I gave this a 7.5 out of 10. I know it kind of sounds like I'm just shitting on the movie. I'm trying to stick up for it, but I am pointing out the negatives uh, and trying to interweave them with some positives. Modoc. 
I got so hyped when that one guy said, yeah, yeah, no, he sent this uh, this guy after him. It's a, it's a mechanism designed only for killing or yeah, something like that. I screwed up the acronym, but whatever, MODOK. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and that was awesome. And it was cool when he got introduced, came in guns a-blazing, tearing through ships, just blasting everybody. And, and his gold-plated mask looked awesome, and then they unveiled it. And that's where the disappointment hit. MODOK is a great villain. He goes toe-to-toe with the Avengers, but yet they made him Yellow Jacket. I don't like it. I did not like it. I, that is the one thing that I just blatantly cannot defend. I liked the gold plate, but during the entire movie, MODOK was just a comedy relief. Um, they screwed up on the scene. They just made it his face. Um, character wise, Modoc, I believe is supposed to have, uh, like a large forehead, but like, it's supposed to be like bulging a little bit and like veins everywhere. Um, his mouth is supposed to be a little bit wider. Um, instead they literally just took that guy's face and just blew it up, uh, to fit Modoc's mold. Um, I liked that they did the, everything else with the costume design, right? Technically, it was like the costume itself, like his chair, his guns and everything. Um, and then towards the end of the movie to where they were like, hey, just don't be a dick. And then he saves the day. That's not MODOK. MODOK doesn't save the day. MODOK is a super intelligent being that is sought out to destroy the Avengers and, and work with Kang or Doctor Doom and team up with people to try and take down the Avengers. I believe in the uh, Marvel animation I believe there's like a uh, an animation series called uh, Marvel's Marvel Avengers Assemble. Uh, I believe in that show he like goes toe to toe with the Avengers. Like he kicks Hulk's ass. Like that wasn't the Modok that we got. Now there's rumors that Modok could come back, and I feel like the multiverse is a good security blanket for Marvel. Like. They tried this route for MODOK. They realized they screwed up terribly. The fans hate it. So who's to say down the line in all of this multiversal stuff, we might get MODOK from a different universe and it's just a full new actor. I know there's, I think Jim Carrey did the Hulu series for MODOK. I'm going to have to watch that and see how he does the voice. And hey, if it's good enough, I wouldn't mind Jim Carrey in the MCU as MODOK. I feel like he could do a really good job like that. Um, so that's a nice little safety net. But Marvel, I expect a little bit better. Um, in terms of getting it right the first time for new characters, I, I feel like they haven't missed. I didn't think they missed with She-Hulk. I like the actress they picked for her even. Like, come on. You, you can do better than that. I expect a little bit better from you, Marvel, uh, about that. But that's kind of like the only negative of the movie that's like just a flat-out negative. Like, there, there's no defending that. I don't care how big of a fan you are. There, there's just, you can't do anything about that. Um, but then we move on, um, progressing through the story, and we get to... Kang, uh, in the final battle scene, uh, Kang kind of goes ape shit, and you're seeing all of his powers, and he just gets fed up. Um, Ant-Man kind of costs him this one thing, and he just goes to the battlefield. He's just wiping people out, and I like that. And another thing that people are saying that they don't like is the ending of the the movie, where Kang basically overrules everyone and is about to just like eliminate. Uh, Scott and just start killing everyone. And then all of a sudden, Hank comes in with his ants. The ants sent me a signal. Um, apparently, the ants jumped further in time than they did, and in like a day, they were able to build uh, centuries worth of advanced technology, whatever. Um, and they came back and they saved him. And some people are like, how did he kill all of the Avengers, but then he got beat by Ant-Man and a bunch of freaking ants? I don't think we realized that it was, it, was very, it was very specific. You had to be paying attention crystal clear. Janet stopped Kang from getting all of his powers. 
He just got the suit, which gave him most of his powers. But I, I'm pretty sure when she said, like, like, I gave him enough to get his suit back or to give him his powers back, she gave him his powers, yes, but were they full potential? It, does he use his little orbiting globe to, like, heal? Like, could he have gone, you know, centuries in the quantum realm, like, just not healing and not going to sleep? You know what I'm saying? Like, there are a lot of factors that we can account in to, yes, he got overrun by, like, hundreds of thousands of ants. Um, and we also have to keep in mind that he was de he was defeating the ants, but the storyline where Modok just comes in and overtakes his shield, and then he gets his ass kicked by the ants. Like, he was at a point where he had his shield up, and he was pushing the ants back. So if Modok doesn't come and save the day, who's to say that he doesn't wipe out all of those ants? We don't know. So I, I don't like that piece of critique by saying that he just got overrun by some ants. And then... We get to the final scene where basically they get everything up and running. They're about to go home and Ant-Man and Scott go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. They're throwing punches and Jonathan Major is basically just kicking Ant-Man's ass. Um, and Ant-Man is just broken. He's bruised. He's bloody. But so is Kang from defeating all of the ants. And that's another critique that people have. They are saying like, you know, hey... Why did he get his ass kicked by Scott Lang? It's Ant-Man. Well, first of all, Ant-Man's an Avenger. He's supposed to be, you know, he is an experienced veteran hero. All right? He's been Ant-Man for three movies now that span in the MCU, like, universe, I guess. The, the blip was five years. So he has spent a long time as Ant-Man, having these capabilities and just basically having the abilities that he is able to do. So... I don't understand why people are like, oh, it's such a shame that Kang got his ass kicked by Ant-Man. Like, no, Ant-Man was losing and was getting his ass kicked. But in the movie, he said, like, I believe Kang asks him, like, oh, you're about to die or whatever. And Ant-Man or Scott's like, that's okay. I don't need to win. We just both need to lose. And he goes to destroy his toy, about to trap them both in there. And then the Wasp comes to save the day. But it's like, yeah, he was about to lose. But he didn't, but he was about to. And then they trap Kang in the in the little orb that he's been trying to get the entire movie. And we'll come back to that in just a moment because there are spoilers that were released that the movie was supposed to change. There was an original ending that got edit, edited in January. I have the post pulled up here. So we will read as follows. Now, this is regarding the end scene that I just, just went over there. And... It was supposed to be, <clears throat> it's a spoiler alert, it says, In Quantumania's original ending, Scott and Hope failed to trap Kang in the Quantum Realm, and he escaped and trapped Scott and Hope inside. This was changed a month before the movie's release, i.e. in January. Now, this next slide gives it a more, dis more descriptive uh, bit rather than being very vague. So, I got a couple bullet points to read. Here we go. While Kang is beating Scott, Hope comes back for him, and they almost manage to trap Kang in the Quantum Realm, but he escapes and traps Scott and Hope inside. Scott and Hope hug, and he asks her why she came back. She tells him that it was because she saw all the other versions of herself, too, the other lives she could have. She didn't want to be in any of them because they didn't have him. Very sweet. It's progressing their development, as well as a shout-out to the scene earlier where it's they get trapped, and I believe it is a probability storm. Um, that's a really nice moment where uh, Scott and everyone's like, oh my god, Cassidy, or Cassie, and all of the Ant-Men just bind together to help Scott save Cassie. That was a really good character moment. I really like that. But I digress. Um, Hank guarantees Janet 
and Cassie that they'll be that they'll find them. Hope and Scott look out at the quantum realm. Hope says to Scott that their family will be okay and that they have to trust them to find them. She says Cassie will know what to do. The next scene is sometime later. Cassie's running all kinds of programs on different computers. She's staring at a screen, sees something, her eyes go wide, and she gasps. Cut to black. That's a very good ending. But I can see why they changed it. The reason that they probably changed it is because if they did that, then then Kang would have literally been released into Earth, not even a single movie in to the new timeline. What? You can't, you just, people need to realize you just can't have that happen. As, as amazing, as amazing as that ending sounds and how it is very in line with the phase four theme of every third movie, someone has tremendous loss. And that was going to be Scott's tremendous loss is that he and Hope are left behind while Cassie has to deal with this on her own. Kang would have been in Earth. This would have just completely ruined the rest of the... We're supposed to build up to Kang coming to Earth being a big, big deal. That would not have made it a big deal. So... I understand how amazing that ending is, but the ending we got is still really good. They didn't kill Kang. They just trapped Kang the Conqueror inside of that little globe. It is Kang the freaking Conqueror. We still don't, he still hasn't been put on display as how powerful he really, really is. Like, he is miles ahead of Thanos. Thanos just wanted equality through, like, to kill half the universe. Kang just wants to beat everybody's ass. Alright, he just wants to kill all of the Kang variants in all of the different Earths that they may be. So, that ending was amazing, but it's just, people need to realize what they're trying to get at, okay? Another post that I have saved is that one of Quantumania's best scenes was seeing all the possibilities of Scott be in perfect harmony and brought together by one common goal, i.e. saving Cassidy. It basically shows us the fact that, you know, Scott is a messed up human um you know he has his flaws but at the end of the day all he cares about most is saving cassie now that kind of wraps up the entire end of the movie the movie as a whole but then we get to the two end credit scenes and we see spoilers major major spoilers if you haven't seen the movie yet or the end credit scenes don't watch don't continue listening to this comeback but if you have let's get into them we see Amortis, scarlet centurion and, oh, it's Egypt Kang, but I don't remember what his name is from that. Amortis is the original guy that talks really raspy. And he basically says, the Conqueror has been defeated. He is gone now. The, uh, the humans have discovered the multiverse. They are just tapping into the possibilities of it. We must stop them. And the two other Kangs are like, well, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm bringing... I'm calling in some Kangs. This is this is referring to the Council of Kangs, which is, oh, so beautiful. Basically, it's a council of all of the most powerful Kang variants, and they rule over the multiverse. They rule over the timeline. They rule over other parts. Kang the Conqueror got banished by the Council of Kangs because instead of wanting to watch over the timeline, he wanted to conquer it, i.e. the name Kang the Conqueror. Amortis is the 
oldest of them all. Um, he has no direct superpowers, but he is, I believe, the most intelligent being in all of the multiverse, having centuries worth of knowledge all within him. So he doesn't necessarily have powers, but he has smarts in technology. The others all have, like, actual superpowers, but Amortis does not. There is a panel in the comic books where Wanda, with the help of Agatha, can defeat Amortis. So we'll see how that plays in. But I believe it was Scarlet Centuron or uh, Pharaoh Kang that basically said, how many of them did you call? And you get panned to an arena while Amortis says, all of them. And that is what leads into uh, all of the Kangs being transported to the Council of Kangs into the, into the little uh, arena that they have. And this is where Jonathan Major, all of these parts are played by Jonathan Major. And it, it, is, it blows my mind how absolutely amazing he is with all of these different roles because that is a hard task to do. Not only being Marvel's main big bad, but literally playing he who remains, then a deranged conqueror, then an Egypt pharaoh, then like a futuristic, you know, battle warrior killing person, and then just an all-knowing like Amortis, like that raspy voice. I could talk about his acting for days. One of these new episodes uh, in the coming weeks, I might go into that. We have some time before the next Marvel movie happens, so I can kind of continue to break down this stuff in little bits and pieces for you guys uh, to try and give my thoughts on some more. But that's about all it is for that. I'm very excited for uh, the Council of Kangs. I believe that is a direct line to uh, the Kang Dynasty uh, Avengers movie. Um, we'll have to see what happens there. I have some theories for that, but I'll save that for another video. And then the next end credit scene is all back in, the, I believe, the 17th century, uh, where Victor Timely one of the variants of Nathaniel Richards, i.e. Kang, um, is presenting about futuristic technology. Basically, Victor Timely is a Kang variant from the future that goes back in time to use modern technology to conquer the 17th century. And we get Pantaloki sitting in the crowd, baby! Ow! That was absolutely amazing. I actually stood out of my seat for that one when I saw it the first time. Uh, it was absolutely so hyped that Loki is back. Obviously teasing Loki season two, one of only one of only two Marvel TV shows being released this year. That is the next time we will see Kang. We get a break on May 5th watching the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which I will have a whole video, or not video, a whole episode dedicated to that. But it was amazing to see Loki. We see uh, Owen Wilson portraying Mobius um, saying, this is the guy you said was a threat to all of humanity? And Loki is like, yes. And Loki looks terrified. Which is interesting to see because now he's not really a threat to the Avengers. He more of like an anti-hero kind of. Uh, to where he's trying to more or less save himself, I guess, and the timeline. As well as trying to find Sylvie again. I am absolutely ecstatic for um, Loki Season 2. I feel like Season 1 was absolutely amazing. And this will just further continue uh, the King Wars timeline and all that stuff. But that's pretty much all I have for the Ant-Man movie, like I said, to wrap up. Um, I think it's a 7.5 out of 10. It is definitely garnishing way more criticism than it needs to be. I don't know why anybody thinks it's so, so bad. Like, I saw Twitter, like, people were literally saying this was, like, a two-star movie. Like, you know, this is, like, you know, 3 out of 10 worst Marvel movies since Eternals. Like, guys, calm down. Not every, not every Marvel movie can be a banger. All right, Rome wasn't built in a day. We'll we'll get there. All right, just just relax. 
patience and in Kevin Feige, we trust. Um, so basically with that, um, it was a pretty mid movie. I mean, you know, like I said, seven and a half for me, seven and a half is like mid to whereas for some five and a half would be mid seven and a half for me is pretty, pretty mid. Uh, but nonetheless, that's about all I have for you guys today. A little bit of a longer episode, 40 minutes. I mean, it's been a while since you've heard my lovely voice. <laughs> so I figured I'd make it a little bit longer for you guys. Plus there was a lot to cover with this Ant-Man video, uh, Ant-Man video, uh, this Ant-Man movie. Um, so I hope you guys all enjoy. Remember, I do have the Instagram account, the.marvelgalaxy. Follow for all of the updates uh, for this. Hopefully this uh, episode can garnish a decent amount of views. Hopefully, fingers crossed, so that I can you know keep publishing these out. And hopefully this can become a more regular thing. I resubscribed to the app that I use to push all of this out there onto all those platforms. So as always, I hope you guys enjoyed. Next week we'll be, we will be covering uh, so far all the episodes we've seen in the Bad Batch and episode one of the Mandalorian releases on March 1st. We'll also be covering that as well. I hope all of you guys have a lovely day um, and peace out. <laughs>